Hi, everybody, and welcome to Being the Work. I'm Ben, and I'm here with Sarah today. Blakely wasn't able to be with us because she's got some sick kids. We're wishing them well and hoping they get that they get well soon. Uh, Blakely, we'll be here when you get back. Don't worry about it. Take care of yourself. Take care of your family. Yeah, so we've got Sarah here today. Welcome, Sarah. Thanks for hanging out with us. So happy to be here. Yeah. Sarah is an old friend from our master's degree, and we got reconnected for this whole whole thing. Um, yeah. Let's see. When was that? When did you When did you decide, okay, I want to go back into counseling? Uh, it was like August or something. It was probably September 2022. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we got reconnected, and for whatever reason, you were like, you wanted to have me as your supervisor. Thank you, by the way. I don't know that I've ever, that was, that was uh, flattering. Uh, and then we went through it and you got your, wait, you already had your license. I had my license. Yeah. Uh, but you went into private practice and then you were like, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. This isn't what I thought it was. That pretty much sums it up. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's uh, this is a complicated thing to get into. Yeah. If you're not up for it, don't put yourself through it. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I so appreciated your <laughs> honest feedback and hand-holding as I navigated that process because I didn't know what I was doing at all. And I think you did a great job of like um, honoring both both sides of like how I was feeling and the profession. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, I knew you would do a good job if you stuck it out just because I... I knew how hard you worked in our master's degree. I saw you work and it was it was cool to see because you were incredibly organized and you worked so hard, you took it so seriously and I respected that very deeply. And I also was like, look, if this doesn't bring you joy and this is just stress, I know what that's like and it's not going to be... I don't know. It's it just will be draining. Yeah. Cuz these cuz this profession is giving 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 giving. Um and yeah. So, when you decided when you decided to not, I was like, "Cool." And I was like, "Oh damn. I've got a I got a, I got something you could do." Yeah. <laughs> hey, if you're I looking for something. <laughs> super excited about because I love this profession. And I, I want to stay connected to the field. And so this was like the perfect opportunity to have yeah. the best of both worlds. Yeah. 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 Uh, we, <laughs> I came across the analogy, uh, the other week and I, I think I shared it with you, right? Like where, yeah, I, I think I said it on the empathy episode that I'm a balloon and Blakely's a balloon and we're both full of helium and we just want to float around, have big ideas, talk about them all the time. And you're super structured. We needed, we needed yeah. somebody to like keep our feet to the ground, at least one foot to the ground, yeah. <laughs> stay grounded and communicate clearly. So it's been good to have you <laughs> keep yeah. us structured. I'm, I'm the string corral us here so yeah yeah it's been cool so uh any everybody uh if you see stuff on instagram it's probably sarah that's putting it up there and we really appreciate that sarah um i'll i'll jump on every so often and kind of 
talk to people and uh, things like that, but mostly Sarah's yeah. doing that background work for us. And so since Blakely's not able to be here, Sarah's stepping in just to listen to me talk. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks for being here. You have you have plenty of good things to say. I'm I'm happy to listen to you talk. That's really funny. So <laughs> that's weird for me to hear. And also I'm volunteering my voice to the public. So it's like yeah. yeah. That's good. It's good. I <laughs> All right. Well, today we are talking a little bit about competition. We uh, have a little little game we play first, so I'm just gonna get into it. So I have a, I got this card game from Esther Perel. Do you know Esther Perel? I was Perel? hoping you were going to say that. Yes. Yeah. So I got this card game. Yeah. I thought we could play it. Oh, geez. There's a kind of context question. Okay. And it says it has to be the answer you give has to be something that you've never told someone. Oof. Okay. What about my therapist? It can be specific and not deep, right? It doesn't have to be like you have to okay. reveal something very deeply, you know, vulnerable. Yeah. It doesn't have to be that. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. Okay. So I'm going to let's go. This is hard to play since you're not here in the room, but. I'm going to shuffle. I've had my eyes on this for a long time. And I'm going to give you three options, and I'm just going to hold them up to the camera, and hopefully you can read them. Okay. But you cannot see them? I can't see them right now. I'm not going to look at them. Basically because I don't want to choose the questions that you are going to answer. If you want to see more, I'll show you more. Okay. Um... Hmm. So what's the prompt that you're choosing? Like read it to you or tell you? Yeah, read read it, read it to our listeners here. Okay. Because I can't see it. This this is an intriguing one. Okay. Few people know I could talk for hours about. Hmm. Interesting. Something that you've never told someone. That might be tough. Ooh, that might be tough. Yeah. I mean, my my close friends might know this about me without me having specifically said it to them. Sure. Does that count? Yeah, absolutely. Something that you've never told someone. Yeah, absolutely. That, I mean, that's, yeah. And let's, let's hold the rules loosely here because who cares? Okay. I could talk for hours about... Okay, we'll 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 make it more generic. Women's health care. Okay. More specifically. <laughs> wow, I'm know. so I'm so interested to know how what specifically you're talking about. Right, let me tell you. Let me tell you. More specifically, birth and postpartum care, and like holistic. Hormone-related care mm. when we feel terrible and are, generically speaking, doctors are often dismissive. Ooh, sure. Yeah. I could talk a long time about all of that. Yeah. 
to be more specific. Yeah, it feels <laughs> it feels like you've you've been dismissed and that that's painful. Yeah. Yeah, tell me more. <laughs> yeah, that's how it started. I feel uninformed. I feel largely uninformed from like childhood to adulthood, Mm -hmm. uninformed about my own body, uninformed about the choices Mm. I have um, in all those different arenas, like throughout my pregnancy and postpartum. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's important for (laughs) people to know all of the options. Yes. Yes, absolutely. My God, yes. I think about my wife and I, we we haven't been able to get pregnant. And there was a few years there where we were trying, then just sort of gave up and was like, you know, if this happens, it happens. If not, we're, we're so we're not going to like try to stop it anymore. So there's like no birth control. But, you know, it's really very very slim chance. And so, you know, not being able to have kids is something, something that I'm learned to be okay with, but it's an odd thing. Cause you know, it's just something that I expected. And so, um, I think most of us grow up with this idea of like how life is going to go. Like we're going right. to school, we're going to get married, we're going to have right. kids. Like it's just the next thing in line. Yeah. And I, I guess two things. I think about my wife getting pregnant and being that being something incredible, like that'd be amazing. And also, if doctors treated her, of course, doing what I do, I want to deeply understand. Mm-hmm. And so um, it would piss me off to no end. And yeah. so hearing your experience of being one uninformed, and wanting to know how to advocate for yourself better and make decisions for yourself, but also hearing that people have like doctors who are supposed to be there to listen, understand, and give you options. Mm-hmm. Like it's that's just fucked up. But also so I would imagine so ubiquitous that like it sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, cool. So the game worked. <laughs> um, yeah, my turn. The game worked to get conversation going. So this isn't a comp- competitive game. This is a conversation game. Okay, it's so not the competitive, but I'm keeping score. Of course you are. <laughs> Fun fact: I never enjoyed competition when I was a kid when I played sports mm-hmm. same I used to identify as a non-competitive person which anyone who knows me now <laughs> yes that is uh, denial yeah. denial denial okay so this is interesting the context card says share something you wouldn't tell your co-workers mm. okay <laughs> Um, well, let's go with this. So it says a, a, a time when I felt on top of the world and something I wouldn't tell my coworkers about when I felt on top of the world. 
I don't know that this fits the this specifically, but I feel like something I didn't admit to coworkers was that I was deeply insecure about my job and meaning I felt so deeply in how important this work was that I wanted to help people. I wanted to, I wanted to do such a good job that I wanted to be the best, but I didn't really know what the best was. Mm -hmm. And there's never, I don't know. I guess it just doesn't, that, that, that idea doesn't necessarily lend itself well to the helping professions because they're deeply human. Right. And being the best is like, how do you come in first place? Like, yeah, this isn't a race. So it's not a race. It's not a competition, but I was making it a competition, but I also think that's the water I was swimming in mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the air I was breathing. Right. And I didn't admit that to myself. I didn't admit that to my coworkers. And I think it, when looking back, and I'm probably much more, I, I guess I don't know, I need some feedback on this to know whether or not I'm being hard on myself or not. But the times where I was feeling very competitive, I, I think I came across as an ass. Um, a know-it-all. Cert, like certainty completely reigned in my thought process and my tone of voice mm-hmm. to your coworkers. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did you quantify what it meant to be the best? It's a good question. Feedback from my clients. Mm-hmm. Uh. One thing that was a huge indicator was people requesting to see me. Mm, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> Blakely, Blakely would send uh, people over to me because uh, when I started arts, when I started there, I was in pediatrics, <clears throat> and she was in intake, and so she would do the intake assessments and then refer to the teams. And she was several people she sent over and she came, she like sent me a message email and said, uh, this is when we didn't know each other very well. And she said, mm-hmm. there are a ton of people like requesting you. All these parents are coming in requesting you. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. there it is. <laughs> That's it. That's Maybe. the sauce. Yes. Yep. Right there. Um, so it was, Achieving my clinical license mm-hmm. was a big part of that. Yeah. Um, people telling me in sessions that I was better than their last therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, and then people requesting me. I think those were the three things just off the top of my head that I was really using to quantify my success right. uh, and categorize my success. Yeah. What's sad um, and deeply embarrassing 
is how I felt toward my peers. Like it felt like I was trying to uh, separate myself from them mm-hmm. and not get closer to them and not looking at it, looking at this as like, I wish, I wish before now I could look at my peers and go, we're in this together. Right. <laughs> I wish I was that person. And I think I was a lot of the time. I never said it. I never said that out loud either. I don't think, but I wish I would have said it more and I wish I would have come across less arrogant and less like I'm the fucking best. I belong here. Right. I've shared before on the podcast that, um, I didn't make it into our master's program until like very last second. I think I was the last one uh, admitted mm-hmm. like like a week and a half or a week before classes started. And that was painful. It still is painful. Like still have to fight that back going, look, this isn't, this isn't a measure of whether or not you belonged. Right. <laughs> this is, this is just life. This is just what happened. It, I don't need to fight for my belonging. Right. Right. And I'm, I mean, I'm entering into my dissertation portion of my PhD, for God's sake. Like, what else do I need to do to prove to myself I belong? And there's right. nothing else I can do to prove it. Right. I just need to fucking slow down and accept it. Yeah. I I want to just uh, maybe this is something I should do is is reach out to people and make some amends. I guess that's it's somewhat selfish too because I just want them to know I realize I was an asshole. Mm-hmm. Something I've realized about myself when I feel that way of like wanting to go back and like make amends, which I think there's a place for. But I feel like for me, it's often still the desire for validation for myself. Yeah. Like, like okay, right. great. Just right. making sure that you don't think anything bad about me. Right. <laughs> right. Which, like, kind of defeats the purpose. I just want to know that you think I'm a good person. Right. I realized that I was terrible. <laughs> How are we cool? That's so funny. That's so funny. Yeah. I mean, it's still sort of shameless. (laughs) 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 I fucked up. I fucked up. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Oh, it's okay, Ben. Oh, thank you. Cool. I'm a good person. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Thanks for giving me that rubber stamp. That's cool. Good, 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 good. I've restored my place. To where I think where I feel I should belong. Right. I'm just a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. So <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna I've shared, I'm gonna throw it back to you. What's your experience with competition in between the people that 
I guess you were helpers. You were a helper alongside these other helpers. Yeah. Um, coming in like kind of later in the game, like not working with people directly out of our master's program, which somehow makes it feel different to me. I think maybe my expectation after taking a break was just off. Um, because I think I really expected it to be more of that collaborative, like we are in this together. Mm -hmm. Look at us, we're linking arms, we're doing the work. And <laughs> then I got in there and was, it's, it felt like a movie scene where like everything pauses and the, and the person is like looking around like, what is this? Mm -hmm. That's how I felt like, what is mm -hmm. happening? Because all of these people had their own ideas about what therapy should look like and what was the best. Like, I think there was that attitude uh, specific, right. specifically from a couple of people right? of like, you could tell that that was their mentality. I want to be the best. I think that my way is the best. Right. I see 60 clients a week. So like Whoa. I'm doing the best. Wow. And that was not my perception. Like I looked at that and was like, Whoa, that's a problem to me. That's too much. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if I think at the time, especially before you and I've kind of talked about this before and prior to those conversations, I think, um, I thought it was because I had been out of the game for so long mm -hmm. and that like this was just like a, a one-off kind of weird situation until you were like yeah no that's like that's kind of how it is um which felt so surprising to me mm -hmm. yeah yeah I totally get it I get it because it's like I don't know I, I think you can relate to this like I know you th I, well, well let me not speak for you could you talk a little bit about what you have said to me um, about feeling inadequate to have these conversations? Yeah. Um, because I was out of the game and then like was in so briefly, I feel like I have uh, maybe don't have the enough experience. Mm -hmm. I don't know what defines enoughness, but um I don't have enough experience to like bring something valuable to the table or like mm -hmm. worth the time here. Mm. What else use the same sort of question you asked me, how, how do you quantify enough? Like um, what's, what are those check boxes that are sort of floating in your head as you think about enough? More client hours, okay. more, um, just clinical experience. Mm -hmm. And I think because especially like in our master's program, when I like knew you better, I'll say, sure. um, I was a very different person and like mm -hmm. very academic, very much like high achiever pushed to be the top of the class. Like mm -hmm. I want to be the best, which yeah. is why it's funny because definitely competitive. Right. Very. Um, yeah. and I've like learned and grown so much away from that, that now mm -hmm. I feel like, oh no, 
I'm like talking to these people who are really smart and still like in their academic prime Mm. in your doctorate program and like doing all these super cool things. And it makes me feel like, Oh, like I haven't done any of that. I don't know that stuff. I'm not like, I don't feel knowledgeable anymore. Yeah. 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 And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you felt like a, like you don't belong in the conversation or can't keep up or like, right. yeah, you're, you're, I think you said, I want to be where you're at, but not have to go through all the years of stuff that you've done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I totally agree with you. Yeah, and which I, I firmly stand by that. <laughs> <laughs> and no, I get it because like, it's, it's funny that you say it too, because like my PhD has been put in to such context and priority in the last couple of years because I've taken more incompletes in my courses than I have ever in my academic career. And four years ago, I would have said that that is, like I would have felt a ton of shame about it, mm-hmm. which is really sad. Like it's, like I look back at that. I'm just like, man, that's so judgmental. But, you know, we're today getting results back for my father-in-law's biopsy on his liver. And he's got a blood disorder that will eventually take his life. We don't know when, but it's making more and more things complicated as life goes on. And it's been very hard. Um, the people I love most in life are, we're all just like dealing with death mm-hmm. while everybody's still alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my PhD, like I've done a lot of work around putting this in perspective of my achievements mean really nothing. It's sort of like, what's it going to bring me? Mm-hmm. More work to do? Mm-hmm. More people to help? More of me exercising my ideas on what I think is best? Mm-hmm. Like, what I feel matters most is the connection with the people I love. Right. And whereas this, it was not, this was not what, I grew up on. I grew up on from my master's degree of that. I mean, the one thing that really sticking out to me right now is the push to find your theoretical point of view. Mm-hmm. And it's like, put yourself in a category before you know anything. Right. right? And the wars, uh, proverbial wars of theories mm-hmm. in our master's degree. And I still think that it's there because mm-hmm. they're still behaving the way that I saw myself behaving mm-hmm. of, I want to be competent at this and to be competent or to prove my competence or find some validity to my competence, I have to measure it against yours. Mm-hmm. And 
when when honestly this like the studies show that there's not really a theory or a way to do therapy in general that's better than the other but when we get i think we just lose perspective right like we lose perspective on the bigger reason we're doing this work like right. we lose why we came into the helping profession in the first place yeah which was for me my own pain of being alone feeling alone and and not putting voice to my own pain and really wanting to help people put voice to their pain right. and not be alone in it. Mm -hmm. But it shifted to this like weird, I'm going to be a mental health expert. I'm going to be that master therapist. I'm going to teach people how to do this. I know what's best. I think some of that, now that listening to you say that, I feel like some of that was almost modeled for us in our schooling. Right. Of like, this is the epitome of what it means to be a good therapist. Right. Mm -hmm. And so almost before we even had a chance to like figure mm -hmm. out what it was supposed to look like. Water I was could, swimming in. Yeah, yeah. We could look at our professors mm -hmm. and say, this is what it means. <laughs> To be the best. <laughs> Did you notice that people were choosing the professors that they were modeling themselves after? Yes. And it was like all the different camps that people oh, were yes. in. There was cult followings. Yeah. <laughs> Which kind of goes back to the like, right. pick, pick what, how you're going to practice uh -huh. before we've even seen a single client. Like right. how? Right. Right. But I think that like started that competition and everything right there. Even when you're done with, with all of your practicums and internships and you feel experienced. Mm -hmm. So experienced. Right? You feel like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I've done these many hours. It's over 100 hours. Mm -hmm. Like, even now, I'm thinking of just, like, sort of patronizing thoughts of, listen, son. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Come talk to me when you've done hundreds of hours of just suicide assessments. Right. Right? That means thousands of hours of therapy. And again, I'm like, okay, that's old thinking. I don't want that. Mm -hmm. I don't want that. I don't want that competition. I, I don't want to compare myself and go and feel like I'm better than. Mm -hmm. And even... Even going back to what you were saying earlier, you were saying off mic, you didn't feel that you could have these conversations. You didn't mm -hmm. feel adequate to have these conversations. And uh, I'm like, no, like you provide such a cool perspective here because you were, you were in your master's, you have a lot of time off, and then you get back in it for a little bit and go, you know what? I don't know that I want this. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's so interesting because you can see the water for the water and not be swimming in it and go, well, this is just how things are. Right. Yeah. You know, something that Blakely talks about, and I wish she could be here 
to to vo- put voice to this. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about it at some point again, but she talks about the limited resources in the helping professions. We're all sort of fighting over the same pot of money. Yeah. So like, for example, at our agency, there was like cards for gas stations and cards for like McDonald's and things like that, that we could provide if people needed them. And so often we were, I mean, that's just one example of Mm -hmm. the, like a tangible thing that we were, like a tangible resource we were trying to vie over to get to for our clients. But even more abstractly, it's like we're, we're vying for time and space and attention all of those pieces were in this like we got to go 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 quickly go quickly go quickly environment and i feel that even in private practice now where it's like i have a i have 1 hour that's all the insurance company will give me <laughs> right. right and it, so it's got to you know any solutions that are come to is very limited time frame and relationships on a time frame is difficult. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so the, it's just another piece of the system that's, that kind of gives this sense of competition, like kind of pushes us into competition Mm -hmm. um, with one another and particularly around efficacy, right? Like if I'm saying, if I'm saying this way, of helping is best and someone else is saying, no, this way of helping is best. It probably comes down to time and money. Right. Or probably flip that money and time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> probably more about money. Um, which I don't think is terrible. I think we need to be stewards of our resources. Sure. While also stewards of our humanity. Right. I don't know what that looked like exactly for you, having not worked in a an environment like that, but it feels like to me it would be very easy, like because our work is one-on-one with mm-hmm. a client, mm-hmm. somebody doing the same thing with, as us with a different client, it feels like it would be very easy to say, but you don't know my client's story. Like you don't know. Right, sure. Like only I know that. Right. And the other clinician feels the exact same way about their right. client you know mm-hmm. like we only know mm-hmm. what we know and there's so many right people in the same boat right like we're advocating for our client we're advocating for those resources for our client which i think there's i, I think getting to honoring our own humanity like just like last episode for empathy and compassion. I think empathy is my ability to feel and think the same way as my client, to really put myself in those shoes. And so whatever those shoes feel like, those proverbial shoes, if they hurt, if they're comfortable, if they're this or that, that's my experience of this person's perspective. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know. I don't have any way of measuring how accurate that is. Right. Unless I express it, ask them for feedback, and 
adjust what I think or feel. That's not a great, efficient way of knowing whether or not it's accurate. Mm -hmm. So one thing I think I got wrong, and I'm wondering if you and if any of our listeners could relate to this, is that I thought the pain I was soaking up was their pain Mm. and not my own. Mm-hmm. Because let's think about this. Am I a sponge? And is their pain something they threw up onto the floor and I'm literally picking it up? Mm-hmm. No. My mental processes and my lived experience is actively, intentionally engaged in their story and their affect, and their life. It's my pain. I'm being exposed to, yes, the story of their pain Mm -hmm. and the presence of their pain if it's on their face or their body language. But they didn't inject me with anything. I didn't actually soak anything up except for the mirror neuron kind of idea. (laughs) This is my pain. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's this conversational relationship with that person and pain, but I can't mistake this as their pain because I, I am feeling it. Therefore it is mine to handle. And Mm -hmm. so if I'm sitting here going, I need to fix this pain by getting these resources for that client and the other therapists or other helpers in the room, case managers, uh, nurses, whatever, are also vying for this small pot of money or resources, then Mm -hmm. it ultimately feels like we're against each other because the answer to solving our pain is getting that resource. I think that's part of like this bigger conversation of why I really want to do this podcast and what I want for us as a community of helpers is to realize that we're we're in this system that's sort of just fucked up, right? It's not that we shouldn't advocate for our clients, but we got to see this real conflict here of if we're fighting each other rather than advocating together to get more resources for our clients, Mm -hmm. we will be separated. We will feel siloed. And I just, I don't know. We're human beings who intentionally volunteer to experience pain (laughs) and to be with people in some of the worst parts of their lives. Who does that? Yeah. We're special. <laughs> like, <laughs> how many times? I don't know. Yeah. Did you ever get? Did you ever get the thing from loved ones or from friends that were like, "I don't know how you do what you do. I could never do that." And I'm like, yeah, "Well, of course." I'm sitting there going, "Like, yeah, well, I'm better than you." <laughs> Uh, that was a while ago. That's sort of the same problem. But 
we're special. We're, we're a special kind of people who feel for other people, who feel the pain of other people's, and we're not going to solve our pain by solving other people's problems. While also, we know right. if we don't, we're going to feel bad. You know? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Feels no. like a, a big, I don't know, I feel heavy. Because there's, there's, that's just a big problem to try to wrap my head around. And it's systemic too. Right. Yeah. I am naturally a, a problem solver. <laughs> and so anytime we talk about this, my wheels are spinning yeah. instantly of like, what's the root of the problem? How do we fix this? And like, I don't know because there's so many things at play because it is systemic. <laughs> are you shorting out? <laughs> It's, You're like, ah, 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 I don't know answer. I don't know what the answer is. <laughs> yeah. that, that's pretty much what's happening yeah. in my brain right now. Because there is no, there is no good, there is no easy solution. Right. I'll right. say that. Yeah. Yeah. There is no easy solution when we're all experiencing pain and or even just let's not call it pain anymore let's call it just problems to solve right mm -hmm. it's almost like it's almost like every single day i'm i'm treating people people present me with lots of loose ends that i feel like okay okay i'm going to tie that one i'm going to tie this one i'm going to tie this one i'm going to tie that one but mm -hmm. honestly it's it's that gut instinct that I need to be mindful of and to, I guess, kind of use some loving kindness toward. Like, I need to tolerate there not being tied ends. There will be loose ends. And mm -hmm. holding the space, holding tension to be able to intentionally choose which ones to tie is hard. I mean, it's, it feels like diffusing bombs almost. I, I don't, I've never done that, but I have felt that, that tenseness of, okay, I'm going to choose my words wisely here in this suicide assessment. I'm going to move very carefully and I'm going to figure this out. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. we are so generous we're so generous with our clients with that. And then I think we get tapped out. Our resources get used for our clients and there's nothing left for our peers. Well, for, I would say the majority of our community, because there's people, of course, that I'm close with that I wouldn't, I, I would be there for if I, if needed. Right. But mm -hmm. That's where I think this whole self-care thing gets really messed up is the most life-giving, fulfilling experiences of my life are with people that I'm close with. And who else to understand my experience than fellow helpers? 
right? There's mm-hmm. so much opportunity to connect there and to understand one another. And then if we could do that to advocate alongside each other for more resources, ah. I mean, it's relationship and community care, not just, hey, go take care of yourself care. This is sort of a tangent, but it's sort of a roundabout point I'm going to make. And I think we're sort of running out of time here. But um, has anyone ever said anything that has like threatened your identity as a mom or proverbial good mom, air quotes? Um, have you ever been on social media? (laughs) Um, yes, not for six months, but yes. Um, I mean, the short answer is yes, for sure. How's your, how's your response to that? (laughs) I think my response to that has changed over time, thankfully. Let's go when you were less wise and less. Okay. Yeah, you are more defensive and less wise. It'll help me make my point yes. faster. <laughs> yes, okay. <laughs> We're running out of time, Sarah. Um, yeah, when I, was, when I was a new mom, I would feel instant um, defensiveness and guilt, like defensiveness because I want to prove mm-hmm. I'm doing it right, but internally like, oh, crap, they're right. I'm actually screwing everything up. Um, And the guilt that comes with that. Yeah. Same with my clients. Same with my clients because the time, the energy, the emotion, the passion to help people in pain, to help people grow out of pain um, and out of doubt and uncertainty like fills my mind part is like especially mm-hmm. when i'm striving to be a good counselor right right and i feel like it's the same phenomenon of caring for your kids uh there's some imposter syndrome that i feel like i'm called out when somebody when somebody questions my capability or questions my helping ability and my, especially my ethical, if, if somebody throws that's unethical out, oh, that's, that's triggering. But it's yeah. the same thing of like, like trying, it's like, yeah, okay. I'm going to try to say what I'm saying instead of just feeling what I'm feeling. I get very defensive and I get like, I, I start thinking, fuck you. But also, oh shit, maybe they're right. And it's sort of this imposter syndrome of, because there's no clear answer of what's, I mean, there are some ethical things that are like super, super clear, but most of them are like ethical dilemmas and they're called dilemmas for for a reason. And the only time I've ever gotten through an ethical dilemma confidently was when I was talking with other people about it. And we came to a consensus, <laughs> right? But, and so that connection of here are my doubts, here are my uncertainties, mm-hmm. help me out here. That, that has, we have to have trust. 
to do that. And if somebody's questioning your ability and your integrity, I mean, it's it's fight or flight. It's like hackles go up. I start, my claws come out. I'm like a trapped cat. Anyway, I feel like that's something that, uh, that's a part of this that I'm wanting to break down, right? Is, is there's only limited resources. And so we also need to be a resource for one another, not only for our clients so that we can advocate more effectively for our clients, but also so that we can support one another and not like invalidate each other's experiences to a place of like, you just need to go take care of yourself and be more ethical. Actually have a sense of like, oh, wow, I'm not alone here. Right. That makes me think maybe maybe next one is uh, mental health stigma in the helping professional professions, the stigma we have for one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> <Whew>. <laughs> yeah, that's big. <laughs> well, Sarah, thanks. Thanks for listening to me prattle on about this stuff. Everybody, I thank you so much for being here with us today. I would love to hear your thoughts. Like if you have any ideas or you have any things of like disagreement with me or um, questions you have or stories you have, I'd love to hear them. We, I want to just get to know you all. And yeah, we're here to just have this conversation. So feel free, please, 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 please uh, go to Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating. That would really help us get some word out and build some community here. Feel free to get in touch with us on Instagram at being the work. You can email us being the work at gmail.com. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. 